spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of movies, the thrill of four popcorns, and the agony of watching proximity. The human drama of Monty and I trying to agree on the best role that Robert Loja played. He's traded in his Alfa Romeo for a Ferrari, and I'm trying to keep the chauffeur's daughter from having her heart broken. Welcome to Two Real Reviewers. Very nice. Very nice. I like that one. I, uh, now, I have to ask your statement of around the globe. Is that because we recently posted that we are gone international? No, I was making mention of the fact that you're not just up the road from me. Ah, that I'm in Houston. Ah, okay, okay. So the great not thing, really the globe, but <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is nice though. I will say that we, you know, even though they're only one percenters, um, it's nice to see us in Ireland and yes. uh, Germany. And so seeing some of these is great. I love it. I, I thought you were going to make some comment about us being one, the one percenters. I'm going, did you get a raise or something? Cause I, well, and I, and I get on a plane today and this guy's trying to talk to me and I'm listening to our last week's podcast again. Um, one of the, and he kept trying to talk to me and I kind of, I'm like, so, you know, took my headphone off and, and he goes, Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I go, no, I'm just listening to my podcast. Oh, what podcast? And this is before the plane even took off. And I said, so, you know, two real reviewers. And we, I, re, I, me and a really good friend of mine, Rod Hurt, we've known each other for over 20 years, and we do a podcast. He goes, oh, man, that's awesome. He goes, what are you on? Are you on, like, mainstream? And I'm like, well, we're on a radio. We're on iHeart. We're on this. And I, he's oh, yeah. So I watch him, and he goes and gets it. And the next thing I know, he's got his headphones on, and he's listening to our podcast while we're on getting ready to fly. Excellent. So, so look how hard Monty works. In promoting and marketing this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. And if he didn't finish it and he finishes it where he lands after he left, because we landed in Houston, he took off again. He'll be in Costa Rica. So now now we got another little pie, slice of the pie out there. Ah, that would be good. <laughs> so I wonder if he chose proximity to watch from uh, oh, on his oh. way to Costa Rica. He asked me, he goes, well, what movies did you do? Are you listening to right now? And I said, well, you know, we did. I go, proximity. And he goes, proximity. And I'm like, yeah, don't even worry about it. Don't just, just keep it out of your mind. <laughs> just go ahead and forth, fast forward through that portion of the, of the podcast. So, but this week, I believe our three movies that we watched uh, did a little, fared a little better than last week. Don't you, don't you think? Without knowing the results of your review, of course, because all of the content is, is sealed in hermetically sealed envelopes before we go on the air. <laughs> but yes, we fared much, much better uh, as we took a look at three movies that have been redone from originals with very, very different backgrounds. I know that yours was mm -hmm. originally a movie that was a hit in France. Correct. The, one and, of the number one hits. And the poll winner mm -hmm. uh, was one that I ended up spending a little too much time researching the original mm -hmm. after watching it, right. ours, our selection, the poll mm -hmm. winner, mm -hmm. our real listeners movie of the week. Ocean's Eleven. Mm -hmm. And I unfortunately had to be overly critical of what's first up. And I will explain okay. as we introduce ourselves to Sabrina. Once upon a time, in a mansion on Long Island, 
in a world of money. All work and no play made Linus Larrabee a billionaire. I just don't feel like buying any more networks this year. There's never anything good on. All play and no work made his brother David a different kind of billionaire. So you guys work Sundays now, huh? It's Wednesday, David. Sidney Pollack directed this 1995 uh, redo mm -hmm. of a movie that was done originally in 1954. Now, Sidney Pollack originally directed Tootsie and Out of Africa, among some other films. Now, check this out, Monty. Okay. Sidney Pollack has he's given movie lovers his own top ten movies in alphabetical order. Want to hear him? Go for it. So he hasn't ranked them. He's only done them in, in, in alphabetical order. Okay. Casablanca, Citizen Kane, The Conformist, The Godfather Part Two, De Grand Illusion, The Leopard, Once Upon a Time in America, Raging Bull, The Seventh Seal, and Sunset Boulevard. Wow. Now, those are Sidney Pollack's top 10 movies of all time for him personally. And that's, that's really an interesting canvas if you look at it. Well, back to Sabrina is done with a pretty decent cast. Harrison Ford headlines. All right. Right? So the other cast members include the, uh, the introduction of Greg Kinnear. This was G Greg Kinnear's first movie, if you can believe it. Is it really? I didn't yeah. know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> Angie Dickinson is, is, is in this movie. Okay. Uh, Nancy a Marchand. Angie Dickinson. A beautiful Angie Dickinson. <laughs> I was waiting for you to go there. <laughs> Richard Crenna. Okay. Paul Giamatti has a bit part in it. Wow. And Sabrina is played by Julia Armand. Now, I remember Julia Armand. Not that she's done a lot, but I remember mm. Julia Armand because she was in one of my top ten movies of all time, Legends of the Fall. What? What do you mean, what? Legends of the Fall? Yes. <sighs> Might even be top five. Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. We'll have mm. to review that together so that I can we can get into a full-on so debate. Okay. <laughs> well, Julia Armand is charged in this movie with replacing Audrey Hepburn. Okay. Now, that's a tall order. Mm. And Billy Wilder did the film in 1955, or 1954. And if you look at comparatively, and I think that's what happened this week with us, if we reviewed the movie in front of us, we kept comparing it to the, the, the one previously. Because I've seen the original Sabrina about 37 times. It's one of my wife's favorite movies. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite movies, quite frankly. And so if you, if you look at it from a director's perspective, Sidney Pollack has done a very similar encyclopedia of directing as Billy Wilder did, right? Okay. So that's pretty equal. Right. Harrison Ford, one of America's best-known actors. At the time, so was Humphrey Bogart. Right. Well, Audrey Hepburn was in 1954, but Julia Armand, haven't heard from you lately. 
Yeah, well, I know she did. Um, um, well, you liked Legends of the Fall, which starred Brad Pitt. And right. Julian Mon was in Case of the Benjamin Buttons, which starred Brad Pitt. So there's your connection of Connect the Dots. Oh, we already have a Connect the Dots. We're early, we're early, first right? Movie, first movie, too, right? <laughs> yeah. So Sabrina is the daughter of the chauffeur for the Larrabee family. Larrabees. So the Larrabees have two sons, Linus and David. So picture Harrison Ford being called Linus, right? These two guys are diametrically opposed. Linus runs the family business. He's a workaholic. And his younger brother, David, again, portrayed by Greg Kinnear, is a playboy. Mm -hmm. David's dashing good looks are noticed by a very young Sabrina, the chauffeur's daughter. But David hardly notices her as a young girl. So the chauffeur and Sabrina live in the complex that the family does because they've okay. got all these cars that the chauffeur has to drive. Sabrina goes away to school in France. She's gone for a long time. She leaves as a young girl. She comes back transformed into a modern woman. So Sabrina runs into David when she gets back from Paris and is able to fool him into thinking that she's someone else since she's matured and her looks have changed. So now David is completely smitten with Sabrina, even though when she, before she left for, for Paris, right. he didn't give her the time of day. Meanwhile, David went and got himself engaged. So you've got this conflict already that David's smitten with Sabrina, even though she has fallen in love with him when she was a little girl. And now David's engaged to be married. Not only is he engaged to be married, but he's marrying a girl who's played by Lauren Holly, Elizabeth. The Lauren Holly, the one that dated Jim Carrey? Correct. Wow. So Elizabeth is part of another wealthy family, and the two families are going to have their companies merge. Right. Right. Well, if David is thinking about breaking off the engagement to Elizabeth because he's now smitten with Sabrina, that could jeopardize the merger. So Linus steps in and he, he makes the effort to convince Sabrina that he loves her, that Linus loves her and it works. So the attention goes from David to Linus, but the workaholic Linus isn't willing to admit his true feelings. And he confesses that the whole thing was a scam to Sabrina who's ultimately dejected. And she decides to go back to Paris brokenhearted. David's engaged. Linus says it's a scam. Her heart is broken. She wants to leave. David has a flash of conscience, and he decides and ultimately convinces Linus to follow his heart and chase Sabrina. David, in turn, is going to run the company. He's going to run Larrabee Industries and oversee the merger with Elizabeth's family company after they get married. The final scene shows Linus on his way to Paris. He lands. He finds Sabrina somehow in the middle of a crowded street. Easily. And, pre <laughs> and presumably, they live happily ever after. Okay. So this plot in the 95 version is virtually identical to the one from 1954. There aren't too many deviations. However, there's a 
there's a, 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 a glowing lack of chemistry between Harrison Ford and Julia Armand. And again, you've asked the, the Sidney Pollack has asked Harrison Ford to act like Humphrey Bogart. Right. Which right. is he really difficult yeah. for him to do. Even right? though, even though Harrison Ford can really hold his own acting, it's just, you can't compare the two. You can't. And then you're asking Julia Armand to be an Audrey Hepburn. No, no, ever. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, Audrey Hepburn was up for best actress in this movie. Mm -hmm. And Julia Armand wasn't anywhere close. So the, the and and the film is supposed to be about essentially about Sabrina, right? And the other notable is that in the '95 version, the mother, who's played by Nancy Marchand, um, she's kind of the focal point between the two boys. In the older version, it was the father. Oh. And the father in the 54 version is hilarious. He's this patriarch that all he wants to do is drink martinis. He spends an, <laughs> almost an entire board meeting trying to fish olives out of, a, out of an olive jar for his martinis. It's, he's totally funny. But the mother is just kind of this matriarchal, uh, making sure that his bo her boys are taken care of work when you compare you know having the the family dynamic it's just very different and there just there wasn't enough quirkiness with julia armand as sabrina audrey hepburn was fantastic and she was nominated for for an academy award for it and she was absolutely fantastic in that movie but yeah. julia armand really not so much I think, you know, and, and I was reading up on this because I wanted to have some sort of intelligent conversation with you. I've never seen the film. Um, I've seen the original, but I've never seen this. And so I read into it. I'm, I'm a little surprised. Now, we all know Sidney Pollack is not just a director. Um, he's also a very, very well-known actor. He's done just about as many credits acting as he did directing. That's right. Um, the thing I did, I will say, though, is... There was a long list of very, you know, for being 1995, you know, they weren't the top of the game, but they were very well-known names such as Demi Moore and Gwyneth Paltrow, Robin Wright, Cameron Diaz, Sandra Bullock, you know, Catherine Zeta-Jones. These were all considered for the role, um, for the lead role of Sabrina, uh, even Winona Ryder. So it's really concerning why did they choose to go with her over all of these other well-known actresses makes you wonder. And would it have, I, I mean, would it have done better and been something closer? I, I just think that, you know, casting might've been off in this one, but by the it, looks of it. And listening. It absolutely was off. Mm -hmm. And and it's not that it's not that I didn't like, <laughs> I don't like Julia Armand. I do. And legends of the fall. This may answer your question. Legends of the fall came out the year before Sabrina did. So I, and I don't remember if Julia Armand got any accolades for her role in Legends of the Fall or not. Um, obviously, she didn't score any brownie points with you since you obviously hate my movie. Legends of the Fall Asleep. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Oh, I'm telling you, we'll have to, beginning of the year after we get through the holidays, we'll put that one on the list. Okay. We'll do a Brad Pitt weekend. So ultimately, you, you got Harrison Ford in a movie. 
uh, you, you, you had Richard Crennan or you have Angie Dickinson in a movie. They didn't fool around with the script too much, uh, w with the plot and everything. That was fine. Um, lost, lost some, some, some style points because of Julia Armand not being ready for, for the role that Audrey Hepburn made famous. Mm. And I ultimately gave this two and a half red vines. Okay. I'm looking at it, um, and and again going through it. I did read one little trivia though, and I and it's even you had mentioned the Godfather in our opening. Um, the thing Godfather Two. Godfather Isn't two. that interesting that he that the, and I've heard this before from other people that they claim that Godfather Two is a better movie than than the original Godfather. You think maybe could, was it was it I De Niro in two? Yes. Yeah. So I think it had a bigger cast. Um, and, and, and Garcia was in two as well, right? He wasn't in one. No, no, he was in three. He was in three. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I guess in the movie for him and everybody else, <laughs> it's one of your big hate, hatred movies. Mm. Um, mm. Patrick, Patrick Tyson says, may your first child be a masculine child in this movie, which is actually a quote from the godfather but in this movie he quotes it and says it's from serpico 1973 so i don't know how you could screw that up but um i've never understood that statement from even in the godfather and now being used in this movie why would anybody ever say that may your first child that. be a masculine child <laughs> may, may your first child come out with a mustache <laughs> so anyways i just saw that on the <laughs> trivia and i thought that was really weird but um so if Sabrina was a little bit of a, of a movie that was on the downside, maybe you have something that is, I don't know, how would you phrase it? Well, the upside. You need to prove you're looking for work. I've been looking, trust me. Three signatures by tomorrow or you can tell it to the judge. Tell me about a time when you worked hard to solve a problem. This morning, getting up. We're gonna find you someone you like. Let me be your arms and your legs. I love that. All right. Penthouse. You need to wait your turn. Relax, it's not a hold up. Just sign this one, please. How would I sign it? I don't know, slowly. <sighs> Wait, don't your arms work? They don't. You can move your mouth. As can you. I need assistance. How much does it pay? Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. This movie, um, for me, I I've, I've want to be able to go back and read reviews, and I didn't because I saw some of the rankings that this movie had before I saw the movie, and I thought, you know what? Before I watch or read the reviews, I'm going to watch this movie without, without knowing anything of it just based on the trailer. So the upside is actually and is a, a remake of a film um, that was done in France and is one of the most uh, highly rated movies over there called The Unt Untouchables. Um, this is a 2017 American comedy drama. It's directed by Neil Berger and written by uh, John Hartmere. It is a remake, as I mentioned, of the French 2011 film *The Intouchables*. Excuse me, which is uh, itself inspired the lives by uh, some real people, such as Abdel Saoud and Philip <laughs> Oza de Borgo. Why do I always get the movies with the the long names? 
the well, film. I got to I, I got I to ask a qualifying question here. Okay. Did you say untouchables or intouchables? I corrected myself. It is the intouchables, not the untouchables. The intouchables? The, yeah, you, it's the the two the, you, the remake are, of 2011 intouchables. Are you sure something called intouchables is appropriate for our audience? Because that sounds damn near close to an X-rated movie. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because it says intouchables, also known as untouchable. So and it's a 2011 film, and we're remaking it in 2017. Here's where it, the critics go crazy. It is hard, just like you had with Sabrina. It is very hard to try to review a film, especially when you want to Americanize it um, and take a French film that is considered one of the best movies ever for, in, in the French film industry and try to remake it as American as, as Americanized and on our side, and it just didn't play well. So but before we go into that, uh, let's talk a little bit about what it's about. The film follows a paralyzed billionaire, Brian Cranston, who strikes up an unlikely friendship with a recently paroled convict, Kevin Hart, whom he hires to take care of him. Oh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, oh. yes. Uh, Nicole Kidman, um, Golis Farhari and Juliana Margulis <laughs> also star in this. You know, I get to mess up I, names. Yeah, I'm Is using it? my mute. I'm I'm using my mute button now because I'm not sure what other <laughs> names you have to pronounce. Um, this is actually the third remake of this film. Uh, a Argentinian film tried to do and called it Inseparables. Um, so the plot basically we'll, we'll summarize for you in case anybody hasn't seen it. Being a 2000 is. Kevin Hart is a, is a, a convict that he just gets out of prison. He's got to go to his parole officer. He's got to, he's got to, you know, look for a job or he has to go back in. So he would, you know, it shows him on a couple interviews and, and is this the movie where he, uh, he decides that he's going to work the overnight shift at a chicken restaurant? No, this is not, that's a whole different movie. Oh, uh, but it's similar to that, right? The, the, that he has to, and he has a kid. And that he has to do good by his son and so on and so forth. Now, here's the great thing about this movie. When you watch it and you see these things happening, such as the, the running from the police and the Ferrari, um, you know, uh, some of the other stuff that they did, skydiving or paragliding together, even though he's in a wheelchair. Um, you know, all of this stuff really, really happened in real life, which is kind of really kind of neat to know. So the things that it was has. And, and again, anytime I watch a movie that has, that's real based on a true story, I go to different websites and read about the history versus Hollywood. Cause I want to make sure that, you know, it's stuck to the plot line. And this did, this did very well. I mean, it did, but my problem is, is as Kevin Hart played his role, he played his role very stereotypical. They, that was the bad part of it. You know, he, he was the, the, the lazy convict who just signed my thing so I can go say, I did this. I just want to get out of here. I don't really want a job. Um, you know, uh, saggy pants, uh, attitude, you know, uh, back mount, uh, you know, back talk, all of this. And he played it. Now, the great thing, though, is Kevin Hart was asked to play it that way, and that's what he did. Um, however, when we talk about Kevin Hart, we talk about you know, all the comedic films that he has done, Jumanji, you know, go down, uh, uh, ride along one and two and, and all of these. He is funny. Kevin Hart is a funny human being. And in this movie, he played it very, very seriously. And he, I thought he did well. I, I did. Brian Cranston did well. I mean, the movie, the actors did a good job. However, 
I didn't like how the story was written, even though it's based on the true story. I didn't like how he was very stereotypical and it just kind of like kind of made you cringy. Like, really? This is 2017. Really? You have some, you know, you know, you don't have to go down that road. You could have made him a little bit different. You didn't have to make him, you know. So, anywho, the movie's budget was only 37 mil. It made 126 million. It wow. knocked off some really good um, uh, uh, movies that were out at the time. Um, had some trouble getting up and going, and a lot had to do with the fact that it was, you know, a, a Weinstein project until all those came and it had to be moved from one thing to another because that was what it was originally going to be distributed by with the Weinstein company. Um, and it was shelved and then sold off. Are you um, sure this wasn't a porno if it was yeah. done by the Weinstein company? <laughs> um, it actually knocked off Aquaman because it tells you a little bit. And Aquaman was starred another Nicole Kid, a movie with Nicole Kidman. She had a good run there. Um, but if you want to go see this and you want, and you expect it to be a movie that is, uh, touches your heartstrings, then yeah, you, you're gonna, you're gonna like it. You know, it even shows old clips of them when they were it, the real actors. I mean, the real, uh, characters, um, that, you know, that went paragliding, they showed it. And that's actually how, uh, Dell, um, became paralyzed he was paragliding had an accident and he lost everything but there was some huge funny scenes in there uh that you know any of us would would probably do when like he was changing his catheter you know he's like you know and it's you know he's like just pinch the head he's like i can't man he goes and he goes it doesn't hurt me and he goes well it hurts me you know he's just going on and there's some good back and forth i really thought brian cranston and kevin hart played off of each other really, really well for this movie in their, in their scenes together. Um, and there was some tough times too, things that were happening that you saw and, and you felt bad. And, and when Brian Cranston had a breakdown in the middle of a restaurant, you felt, Oh my God, They're like, no, no, don't do that. Oh, you, you felt for him. You know what I mean? So if anybody can make my wife and I go, Oh, please don't oh no, come on. You know, then it's good acting. And sure. Cranston is a very good actor. And he, he, he stole the show in this movie based on what he was doing. He really did. Um, but one of the things that you had mentioned in your film, and I was going to say something before we got into mine, one of the biggest problems that we have is um, uh, just like any remake, when you remake a film, you should have something that you want to add to it they this one didn't really add anything and i think based on what people are saying and i'm reading like why did did, did everybody criticize this film so heavily um because i did after watching the film i went back to the reviews and see why people hated it so much is they felt that it didn't really add anything to the original so why do one if you're not going to add to it or make it better then you just don't need to do it because we already have it. And they had it from, it's not like it was a, like in your situation, so it was, it was what, 1954 yeah, or something like that? It was 40 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And in Ocean, I mean, not Ocean, I'm sorry, in Upside, it was six years apart. So it doesn't really, you know what I mean? It was just for us to say, we don't have any movies, so we're going to go start stealing from the French. <laughs> well, this and that's is, how it came about. And this is this has been this has been my and this is not just about movies, but television and entertainment in general. As we continue to do, we, we go back and do something that's already been done, thinking it will be better, and a lot of times it isn't. Mm -hmm. Now we, I'm sorry to pick on on Charlie's Angels, right. but 
the the Charlie's Angels redo. First of all, that was a that was a television show, right? And well, I think the first one did fairly well on the box. No, no, I thought you. I'm talking about the most recent one. Oh, and 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 then and then they you see these relaunches of the relaunches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, in this case, so let me ask you: Did you? I have two questions about this movie. Number one is: Did you see the original French one? No, no. I just read a lot about it. You didn't. You didn't uh, watch the movie that was directed by uh, Pierre. <laughs> I'm um, not saying the name. <laughs> Pulso de Bourgeois. <laughs> no. Um, and was there was there any similarity? Because again, we we compare, right? Right. Mm-hmm. We it's and maybe that's why they're trying to redo movies that have already been redone because they don't have any original thoughts and we really like older things. But was there any sort of dynamic between Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston that reminded you of Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd in, um, uh, trading places. Thank you. No, no, no. This was, this was really, um, because Eddie Murphy was the, you know, the, 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 the punk down on the and street, out. Yeah. And Dan Aykroyd was the rich guy. Um, in that movie, they were pulling, you know, they were pulling a, a job on each other in right, the beginning, pull- you right, know, and right. then against the old, you know, the rich guys. However, in this one, it's, it's the, it's Kevin Hart just played the, you know, the, they tried to stereotype him based on what media sees, you know, the lazy uh, guy that just got out of jail that doesn't really want to do anything you know, and, and suck off the, the government or whatever. Um, and I didn't like that. And, and so, um, but he, he, you know, and he's, but he gets this job and the thing that he needs is, is a place to live. That was one of the other things too, because he had gotten kicked out of where he was living. So in this movie, he's able to um, stay in the guy's house. So that was another one reason why he wanted to, one of the jobs because he gets to live in this mansion, basically not a mansion, but a, a it was a penthouse. Uh, in New York or Philadelphia, excuse me, a deluxe so, apartment in the in sky. The sky. <laughs> and yeah, so, um, and it had, you know, and at the time, Brian Cranston was tired of, of the, you know, the people that were trying to interview for the job. And like the one guy sitting in the interviews, like, let me be your arms and your legs for you. Cause he's, you know, he's quadriplegic. He can't move anything. And Nicole Kidman's like, Oh, I like him. And he's like, no, <laughs> you know, he was tired of, the kiss ups and everything like that. So when you have this other guy come in and be like, man, just sign the paper so I can go like, you want a job? I guess. Okay. Well, you got it. You know? So, like, so the overrated Nicole Kidman's in this movie. Yeah. She did very well. She, I liked her in this movie. Actually. I liked her in this movie about as much as I liked her in eyes wide shut, but there's a different reason why I liked her. In eyes wide shut. I, I, Sorry. I, um, I digress. You don't have, you don't have to say you're sorry to me. Um, like there may be someone down the hall that you're going to have to. Uh, she, she probably does. hears it. Um, all right. So for me, uh, the upside is going to get, and it's unfortunate because is it really the stereoty- stereotyping really took the the wind out of it after I watched it. Um, but uh, I'm going to give it two and a half. Great story um, because it's real, um, and one point for both Kevin and and. Uh, Brian Cranston. So two and a half popcorns. If you're looking for a heart film, a movie that's going to touch your heart a little bit, feel free to watch it. I, I think it's really great on that part. But if you're looking for it to beat what France had, and it's not, it's just American version of it. And there's nothing really adding on to it. 
Wow, France actually beat French. us at something, right? right? Oh, oh, I <laughs> probably shouldn't have said it that way. Do we have any? Do we have any listeners in France? I probably should have asked that question. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> I don't know if I can go back and edit that. <laughs> we probably don't. Yeah, we probably don't now. Oh well. So we we head off though to these wonderful remakes that were that are going on, and we talk about having them add something to it. Do you think our two real f- reviewers? pick of the week did just that well first of all our real the the activity on the voting for the four movies that we put up was probably the best we've ever had so let's let's recap the movies we had we had the fly we had oceans 11 what else we We had had, we had scarface scarface the one that you really really wanted to win i really 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 (laughs) Really, really, I really, really wanted that one to win. And then what was the fourth one? I really, I really, did they tell you that I really wanted? (laughs) We'll just have to review it one day. How about that? Yeah. Um, And then my wife. Maybe when we did Legends of the Fall. My wife, (laughs) (laughs) my wife really, really wanted Adventures in Babysitting um, to win. I don't know how that fared in the polling. Well, I'm going to tell you, surprisingly, there are young guys that I went to school with and ones that I, some guys I coached picked Adventures of Babysitting. So it's kind of like a little shock there. Um, but uh, I thought Scarface was going to run away because when it first came out, somebody says, you know, you want to watch Scarface again. Yes. Stacy, Stacy Stump, our good friend. Uh, said uh, he didn't put, pick a number, but he said, say hello to my little friend. So he posted that, um, and then uh, we had a lot of threes in there, obviously. Um, that was Ocean's Eleven, and, and what was crazy about that was, uh, yeah, it's all women that voted three. <laughs> oh, imagine that. <laughs> and then, surprisingly, there was one, two, three, four for the fly uh, on my one post, and there was a few on the others as well. We had multiple polls out. I think that that could have been a long shot winner. And and if you've ever seen both, I think you could do a, a very comprehensive review on both movies. I really do. I really do. Yeah, I think so. I, and, and Fly's not a bad movie. I mean, uh, no. you know, oh, um, I, I really like that one. It so. was the it was the uh, it was the beginning of the coupledom of uh, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Gina Davis. Gina Davis, yeah. Uh-huh. It's kind of like since Fly. since. The- <laughs> But since the fly didn't win, let's head off to Las Vegas and meet Ocean's Eleven. When I get word the van is away and the money is secure, my men will exit the building. And once their safety is confirmed, you will get your ball back. Our team is here. All right. Now, I have complied with your every request. Would you agree? I would. Good, because now I have one of my own. Run and hide, asshole. Run and hide. If you should be picked up next week buying a $100,000 sports car in Newport Beach, I'm going to be supremely disappointed because I want my people to find you. And when they do, rest assured, we're not going to hand you over to the police. So my advice to you again is this. Run and hide. Now, so this this was I, the first of what's now a franchise. Yes, yes, two thousand and one. Steven Soderbergh. 
-hmm. So 2001, damn near 20 years ago. Well, my question is, is, did you say you have or have not seen the original? I haven't. And I was just going to oh. confess my sins. It's like, I'm not able to do a, a really decent comparison between the two movies because I've never seen the first one. And why is that? Shame on me for not seeing it. I'm going to watch it this weekend. Yeah. No, it, it's a good movie. Uh, um, uh, I've enjoyed watching that one a few years ago but and i've seen oceans 11 way back in 2001 when it came out and i've seen them you know the ones uh before and after as well um so i i like these movies but this one here i liked what steven soderbergh did he did a great job in um in uh giving some nods to the original so i thought that was really cool but you want so to break you, down the plot for us well you've got this you've got this cast an right? amazing cast just like how i i tried to to frame sabrina right mm. well not not framer you know what i mean um you have this cast and then when you compare it to the the cast of the 1960 version mm -hmm. it, both stack up pretty well i mean you've got you've got clooney you got pitt you got damon um uh, you got the unknown Affleck kid, not Affleck, Affleck. Casey, Casey. Right, Casey Affleck's in there. Yeah. Andy Garcia, mm. um, Bernie Mac, um, the incredibly overrated Julia Roberts. Um, oh, my, my guy, Don Cheadle. I love Don Cheadle. I do, but I didn't like him in this one. And then you've got two legends, you know, rounding out the AARP cast and Elliot Gould and effing Carl Reiner. <laughs> Carl yes. Reiner. Yes. Yep. As Saul. Right. We, we've so, talked about him a lot in our podcast. You notice that we did a lot in the beginning. The first season we had a Carl Reiner little connection group for a while there, didn't we? Well, just when you there thought we that we weren't going to talk about him anymore and we moved on right. to the thing. Well, in this, in Ocean's Eleven, what I enjoyed most about it um, is a couple of the things that, that happened in this movie was with uh, uh, Brad Pitt. Um, it was, he added so much to this movie alone. You know, movies like his, the eating, if you notice, he was eating in every episode. Um so there are every scene that he was in and that's something that he added to this in his own way. So I thought that was really good. Um, so with Brad Pitt, if you, like I said, just a few seconds ago, he was literally adding things to make his character um, to be a little bit more different and him eating something every time in every scene. And so Did I you read, notice up, that? You <laughs> yeah, that too? I noticed it too. Um, and I read into it a little bit. He did that because he felt they were on such a time, these, these characters, these cast, it, it, you know, criminals, not the cast, but the criminals in the movie, the characters would be in such a time crunch that they would always be eating something quick on the go, that they are never going to be able to sit down. So that's why he added that. And it, it, it actually worked very well, except for the scene where him and Matt Damon are talking and she's, um, Matt Damon's telling him all about, I think it was Julie Roberts day and, and, uh, Andy Garcia's day and he's eating the shrimp cocktail. Oh yeah. 
they kept having to take cuts in this and and uh because they kept messing up and, and brad pitt alone ate over 40 shrimps oh <laughs> so kind of but it was you know it's 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 something that he did on his own there and he he made a special touch so i really liked this movie and i love the brothers because they played the typical brothers casey affleck and and uh what's scott scott con right right which Casey's the, the the brother of Ben Affleck, and right. Con is the son of son of James Con. James Con, who he looks a lot alike. And so, <laughs> and if you're comparing, you know, a list casts, right? Yep. So Clooney is playing Danny Ocean, right? Who's played by Frank? Played by the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra, mm -hmm. right? So you know who else are cast members from the from the 1961 from the original? Dean Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Joey Bishop. Mm -hmm. Sammy Davis Jr. The Rat Pack. Peter Lawford. Yep. Cesar Romero is in that one. Uh, former mentioned Angie Dickinson. And was to, round out, to, round, to round out the cast, Norman Fell. Okay. <laughs> he was the real – he really rounded it out. Uh, but – so the Rat Pack was there. So no JFK, no um, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it has a mafia influence if you think about it. Well, very true. Very true. So, you know, there, it 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 evolves around this modern day heist where these eleven individuals get together. They're going to knock out three casinos. They're going to rob three casinos. They hatch this plan. It includes recreating the casino vaults. They actually construct the mm -hmm. casino vault, which I thought was pretty cool, right? right? They gain access to the back of the house areas. They manipulate video feeds. They stage fights and yeah. all sorts of well-thought-out diversions. Andy Garcia plays the casino owner, right, who gets who gets hoodwinked. Right. He gets, he gets hoodwinked. It's, it's all Vegas. Right, so you, you've Jack Tabor or something like that. You have all these stars, mm. but and I don't know. I've been thinking about this all afternoon, and I'm not sure I'm going to articulate it very well for you. But every time there was a change in scenery for some reason, mm. I kept thinking I was watching Casino. And that Robert De Niro was going to show up, or Sharon Stone, or Joe Pesci, right. and I don't know why that is because it, it's it wasn't set in the fifties or anything like that. No, no, right? But I guess it's all the Vegas glamour lights and all that other stuff. It's you know yeah, and and for me, Ocean's Eleven. I think maybe it did that because when they did the change of scenes, think about the music background. He played a lot of the older stuff to kind of keep us. The, and the, that was Steven Soderbergh's nod to the original one, which was done. When did we look that up? That was, I was just 1960. That 60. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, and, and there was a little, there was other twists that he put in there. Like in the 1961, one of their guys had a heart attack and, and right. you know, and then in this one called Reiner, you know what I mean? So, there was a little bit of it and, and I, I you know i'm a big history guy i love you know vegas back in the day the sahara the riviera you know desert inn sands flamingo 
those were the originals and those are so cool to see. Yeah. O'Shea's. And so for me, it's like, yeah, you know, the fifth, that's why I enjoyed watching the sixth, you know, the original with the Rat Pack in it. And, and they did a decent job in that movie. I mean, you go back, it's, it's like anything today. When we go back and we watch these old films, you, you try, you got to remember to put yourself in that area. You can't compare them to now, you know, because right. it's not going to. But I felt this remake had enough difference and added more to it um, that it did do a very good job. And I, I'm really, really pleased with this. Uh, this movie, and and I will watch this more and more. You know, uh, Andy Garcia's character, though, a little pompous, a little arrogant. I don't think he, anybody's really going to act the way that he did. You know, and I even put in the sound clip, if, as you heard a few seconds ago, um, his little, you know, I'll give you one advice: run and hide, because I'm coming for you. You know, that whole yeah, big macho I, breakdown. I put that in there to, because that part bothered me. <laughs> it's like, come on, you're not going to do it like that. So it, it was his, it was, his, it was a similar character that he played in Godfather three, hmm. you know, a wannabe tough guy that really wasn't a tough guy, but I've met him and he is a tough guy and he scares the shit out of me. So <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Um, but he, yeah, he was very wannabe in both in this one as well. You met Andy Garcia. Yeah, at Miramonte. Wow. He uh, came out. He was yelling at my concierge because his driver wasn't there because they were there for the the uh, Bob Hope. Speaking of, of old Vegas stuff, Bob Hope was having a golf tournament there, the Chrysler Classic at the time. Yeah. And uh, he had to leave to go do the opening of Smoking Aces. And his driver that was hired by his management company never showed. And so he thought we hired that person or made the reservation. He was chewing our team out. And I stepped in. I'm like, no, that's, we don't handle that. That was your guy. I said, you have the number of the company? He said, yeah. I said, let me call it. So I called the company and Andy Garcia sat in the lobby, didn't care who was around. And uh, I called the company and they're like, oh, our driver's there. And I'm like, well, no, he's not. I'm, we're staring at the front drive and found out the guy was in the far back, 13 acres in the back corner talking to his girlfriend on the phone. And I, so I got my golf cart and found him. And uh, when I pulled back up, he followed me up to the front. And he lied. He told me, he was, oh, I was trying to find the place. I'm like, dude, you're in the parking lot, in the corner. How did you, you drove past the entrance to get to where you're at right now. So don't tell me you didn't. And he goes, is he mad? And I'm like, yes, he is. And so I pulled up and he's all cover for me. And we pulled up and Andy Garcia walks out and I come in. The guy's getting his suit jacket on and Andy walks up and goes, where was he? And I said, oh, he's in the back corner talking on the phone to his girlfriend. I said, enjoy your ride to, to Hollywood. <laughs> and I walked away, you know, because I didn't like my team getting yelled at, you know. But he, I can hear Andy was pissed. And that, to think that that guy had to drive from Indian Wells all the way to Hollywood to the Man's Shiny Theater, he was, gonna, he was getting a earful. Speaking of characters, though, I have another story, but I'll wait for you to ask me my question. Well, I'm going to, I'm, there were so many characters to really like that were, that were different. They brought something to the team. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. But who was your favorite character in in this movie? Can I give you my favorite character and my most despised character? Sure. Okay. Favorite character is Brad Pitt in this movie. 
I thought his little touch that he made and the fact that he's eating all the time reminds me so much of myself, you know, tall, looking, <laughs> eating all the time. <laughs> and uh, so there's that. Um, and uh, how about yours? My favorite character? Mm-hmm. Oh, hands down. It was Saul. It was Saul Bloom. Yeah. Played Carl? by Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner. Oh, when, right. when he's when he's at the dog track and he's mm-hmm. wearing and he's wearing that that bucket hat, yeah, and it completely <laughs> clashes with his coat or the shirt he was wearing. It's not and he gets and he gets fitted. He gets fitted for that double-breasted suit. Oh, when come he, on! He's going to pull the con. Oh yeah. my gosh! I was in heaven. It wasn't Ruben Tishkoff and Elliot Gould. No. Well, in his bathing suit. Yeah. Honorable mention. <laughs> With well, the, the Benny Hill style swim trunks with matching robe. I think I own that. <laughs> um, I wish well, I own that. I I feel bad because you're you're a fan of of Don Cheadle. Um, I love Don Cheadle. His accent in this movie was horrible. It was terrible. It was, yeah, it was terrible. I didn't know. Like he walked in the room in one, and it's when they it's in the scene where they each coming in to see how's it going. Like they did their part and then they come in and they see how's it going by watching the monitors. And he, he walks in and goes, says something to the guys in like pure English. Perfect. And then, oh, <laughs> oh and then he tries to go, you know, what was his accent again? I don't even know. It's, it's, oh, I, I yeah. Indistinguished, yeah, indistinguishable. And then he tried to use that and I'm just like, what in the hell? He, you can't go from one type of talk to another in the middle of a scene it's just not gonna work yeah. so bastard tar that was yeah. his character's name yeah he he um yeah and then the funny thing is is he even said to the owners i mean the owners the directors that he didn't like the way his his accent came out so he asked in the second and third one uh i believe it was second and third one to, to not use that accent again and they said no you have to you started it in the first one so he got stuck having to use that in, in the sequels. Interesting. Cockney. Cockney? Is that what it's called? Are you sure you're not talking about the Intouchables again? No, what is... God dang it, man. I'm getting so mad at myself and I forget something and I write it down. But that's okay. Um, yeah, so so, but John Cheetah was the one that I, I kind of despised the most in this one because I thought his, his accent in this movie was horrible. Well, but I like him as an actor. And I without, met him as well. Oh, really? I I've really... met most of this crew I've met. Bernie Mac I've met. Brad Pitt I met. So... Oh, did I mention? I didn't mention Bernie Mac. I should have. Because it, it was an, a good role for him, too. Yes. It, it, and Don Recipes. Cheadle, I have to ask you uh, on Don Cheadle, have you ever seen the Don Cheadle movie Hotel Rwanda? Yes. When oh. it came out. Mm. Now, uh, this, mm. this movie, um, Don Cheadle, when I met him, same time, Mary, same time as the, the same weekend I met Garcia, because they were all there. Was uh, he talking in a Cockney accent when you No, he him? was trying to find a poker game, though. Oh. <laughs> he, yeah. he wasn't going to Spotlight 29 Casino out here or Morongo. He, was, he wanted behind the scene, big money roll. So, oh, wow. Yeah. That and, that upper one percent you were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And then our good boy Brad Pitt, um, when Angela was working at the Parker, um, every woman has the man on a on a list I can have sex with. Uh, actor the, list, actor the, list, and Brad yeah, on, is on Angie's, and uh, she was doing a film festival and was manager on duty, and I got to come stay. And I said, "Look, if he's there, I don't want to find out he's in the room next door to us." Okay. You know, just you know, <laughs> the so, connecting room. 
after, um, sorry about that. If we, after our dinner, excuse me, I start heading over to my room and there's a guy having trouble at the room next to us, right next door across the hall, uh, getting in his room and, uh, I helped him and it was Brad Pitt. Wow. Like, look at Angela. He's got a, got a book right across the hall. Right across the hall. I'm glad I decided to come stay the weekend with you, honey. <laughs> Keep him well, out Ocean, of your bed. Ocean's Eleven, what I loved was the dialogue, particularly between Clooney and Pitt. Yes. I thought they had a really good on-camera relationship. The way they, they, that they orchestrated that plan, the trickery. Mm-hmm. Especially the surveillance stuff, I thought that was pretty cool. Right, but just when I'm I'm thinking it's all buttoned up really nice, they just throw that sequel hint right out there at the very end of the movie. <laughs> and again, that's a nod to the original. So, and you know it's coming. And uh, but that took a half a star away from my overall rating which was three and a half red vines. I'm going to give this four popcorns. Um, I thought the movie played uh, extremely well. Cinematography was good. Soundtrack was good. Um, the score was very well, well put. I loved the end of the movie because it did remind me a lot of the 1960. Um, the, the Soderbergh's, and I got this right before I started watching this, Alexis Fish called me and my daughter, and she's studying films right now. Uh, in school, in college, and she said, hey, you're watching Steven Soberg. So I said, yeah. She says, watch for how he has scenes where it's just music slightly, and there's a group of people, and there's a silence. And you'll see this throughout the movie, and sure enough, they, I was able to watch I'm like, oh, that's what she's talking about. And especially at the end, when they're staring at the fountain, and they all start leaving, there was never a word mentioned to either one of them, but the music that was, played in the background. That was one of the best scenes of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, after they're tip. all finished, after they're, you know, they succeed in the plan and, you know, they, they, they get rid of whatever evidence they have. I mean, they, they, they locked it all up. They all show up to watch the fountains of Bellagio. They admire them. They're all smiling. You got music playing in the background. And then one by one, they all walk off. Yeah. Yeah. I and, thought that was, that was a totally cool scene. And great, uh, great cast. I, I even even characters for that were behind the scenes. Um, you know, uh, Topher Grace, Joshua Jackson. You know, some of the back then it was like the the up and coming television stars that were around. You know, Shane West, Barry Watson that were learning to, and Holly Marie Combs who were learning to play poker with Brad Pitt. You know, it was kind of a nod to the Rat Pack to the Brad Pitts group to these yeah. guys. So it's kind of all played together. I, I just thought Soderbergh did a great job in this movie. He really did. Um, and, and I'm surprised again, this is a movie that didn't do well with the accolades and that still just, you know, it did have four wins, but it didn't have any of the big major ones, you know, it was so a little, little, little butthurt on that. And it gets me because I always feel the Academy Awards look at films like let's be over emotional to get you this or let's be over dramatic to get you this to get you an award instead of quality and sometimes like that's why you see movies that lose out like oceans 11 did in that and during that time frame so just kind of just throwing that out there but moving on to next week yes you are celebrating in houston with whom my family. Uh, we're here for Simplify Softball. But it's and 
family mm-hmm. has great meaning over Thanksgiving. Big meaning. Mm-hmm. So what Monty and I thought we would do for the next podcast is we would review movies that are family-based. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Thanksgiving family-based would be even better. And Monty's got one that he picked without even looking at any of the others. <laughs> and why did I pick it? Uh, I'm, you're going to tell us. <laughs> uh, well, well, <laughs> um, I'm going with uh, I'll let Friends. You hang yourself. <laughs> Friend, a twenty twenty. It's a 2020 movie, so it just came out, um, and it is unfortunately, you know, right off the bat, it doesn't have great ratings. But uh, it's Friendsgiving, and I just want to give you a quick rundown. Uh, uh, Malene Ackerman, oh, Kate Dennings, who I think is actually a very attractive young lady. Aisha Taylor. And the inseparable, the beautiful, the cougar of all, Jane <laughs> Seymour is playing Helen in this movie. So, really, I want to see this movie just for Jane Seymour. So, Jane Seymour scenes only. You'll be done probably within <laughs> eight minutes. What, with the movie? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. That's right. I thought you meant something else. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid that maybe you were going to talk about being intouchable. <laughs> in eight minutes. <laughs> We're gonna get in trouble. Um, this, love- this may this may be the this may be the week that KMET uh, doesn't have us uh, oh podcasted. So uh, Friendsgiving is oh. and it's a current movie, right? Yeah, it's, 2020. It came out this year, and I've decided to pick one that is just a few years old, um, but a couple of a couple of important reasons uh, for seeing best Thanksgiving ever from 2016 the synopsis is when kevin's proposal is turned down he accepts an invitation to brad's home for thanksgiving Mm -hmm. as the alcohol begins to flow some outlandish events prove to be an unlikely salvation for both kevin and brad so So what basically every family's thanksgiving (laughs) it yeah uh, anything original here haven't heard it yet um, but I was intrigued because there's actually a character in this movie named Rod, and he happens to be played in this movie by uh, the incredible, aver- incredibly average Eric Roberts, um, brother of the incredibly average Julia Roberts. You're just not a big fan of the Robert family. That's okay. I'll invite him to well, my Thanksgiving. <laughs> Eric, you know, er- I, I mean, I don't know that Eric, Eric, I don't think has the same body of work as his sister does. Well, I'll, you admit, know, I'll admit she has a huge body of work. But Eric Roberts, uh, what was that one movie he did based on the the life story of the actress, or the model, the Playboy model? And he killed her. Star 80 or something like that? That movie always oh, bothered me, and I've never really been a big fan of him since then. That's what did it for you, huh? That movie, yeah. It was a great movie, and then I didn't know that. And the way he played that character, though, was so intense. It just it made me – There's and I've done that before, where I, I've seen it of a, a character that an actor has played, and it's pushed me off of liking the actor in, in any of his work that he's done. And that was one of them. So we also have come up with four movies that we're going to put on the poll – at mm-hmm. the beginning of the week before we actually get to Thanksgiving. And they're all, well, we've seen all of these. Well, I've seen three of the four. Um, but these are all movies that have a Thanksgiving hook and or they're about family. These are very good choices. They include You've Got Mail, 
Yay! <laughs> I knew you were going to jump up and down for that. Yeah, one. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, a movie called Pieces of April, which has a very interesting synopsis to it. Mm. Hannah and her sisters. Hannah. <laughs> right? And last, but certainly not least, and I secretly hope it wins, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. I think we're we're both hoping for that to win, and I'll tell you, I will I will watch that over you got mail because you know, like you said, it's unfortunate they've taken all the Charlie Browns off of TV. Um, so it's kind of you know the first year I haven't watched the Great Pumpkin Charlie Brown in probably since I was a child. I just want to know why they've taken it off. What was the reasoning? COVID. COVID, my ass. <laughs> COVID. It's it's animal cruelty on how he handles Snoopy. <laughs> Well, I mean, would do have, are we going to get to a point where the the peanuts gang is politically incorrect? Wait, well, yeah. if you think about it, they're incredibly. Well, did, you say, did you say peanuts? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, that gang is okay. The other one would have been incorrect. <laughs> I, All right, sorry, Cammy the, G. We love you. The, the I want to see the peanuts gang in a movie called Intouchables <laughs> over Thanksgiving. <laughs> Starring Peppermint Patty <laughs> and Jane Seymour. <laughs> Jane Seymour as no, yeah, Jane Seymour as Peppermint Patty. She could play the role. Would, she wouldn't play Peppermint Patty. No, she would me? play. Who would she play? She would play Sally. Sally. Yep. She plays Sally. Oh my goodness! All right. Okay, so next week um, <laughs> we have a poll on who should play the lead in Peanuts Intouchables. <laughs> Who's going to play Peppermint Patty? I, I think you need to post this part on our podcast like you did with that, with the uh, sushi and a Dodge Caliper comment. From last well, that week. was the quote. of the, I swear to heaven above, that was the quote of last week. It was and I, and week. I laughed myself silly uh, listening to that again today. Well, yeah, was, same here. That was wonderful. Well, you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, sir. I want you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well, and uh, best of luck in your tournament in Houston. Thank you. Uh, I am delighted that we were able to do. You know, we could do an, another one of these podcasts about mm. relaunched movies. Yeah, because absolutely. There, there are just so many of them, but these three were were, were real treats, and I'm glad we got to see them. Yeah. And we appreciate the real fans who. Uh, took the time to vote on the poll, and hope you will do the same for next week yes. for Thanksgiving. Right. For our real fans out there, have a very safe uh, holiday with your families, and we will see you on the next broadcast. Until then, we are two reviewers. You'll hear us next week.